This is Anchor Points with Robert Quintana. God wants us to be happy. Every week, helping you discover the answers to some of life's biggest questions. There is a purpose for our lives. And applying them to help you grow closer in your walk with God. Messages straight from the pulpit of Frederick Seventh-day Adventist Church of Frederick, Maryland. What's going to drive you to your knees? Is it going to be fear or is it going to be love? Feel free to discover more like this at AriseForGod.com. When it comes to traveling in our area, you'll learn real quick that no matter how much you plan, you never know when the occasional road work or detour might come up. But when life takes a detour, a job loss, divorce, or death, how do you deal with that? There's a sign that says, wrong way, turn around, can't keep on moving forward on this track, and so you find yourself having to transition from plan A to plan B, and sometimes, most of the time, it's difficult to do, is it not? That's Robert Quintana, and today he begins to dig through an ancient manuscript that offers three pieces of wisdom that offer help when dealing with life's transitions and detours. In the first part of his message, Setting the Course. Just recently got back from a wonderful, exciting trip to Mount Rainier National Park where I did a a backcountry trip, five nights out in the backcountry with uh, two buddies of mine. The wildflowers were amazing. But you know, before heading out on the trip, we made plans. We set up an itinerary. We had a a list of all the things that we needed to pack. Um, In the kitchen, I had all the food laid out that I was going to eat. Because if you're going in the backcountry, you need to be prepared. And so often, whenever we go on a trip somewhere, we do this, right? We set the agenda. We set the criteria. We say, this is our goal. This is the destination. And this is how we're going to get there. GPSs have made it extremely easy to do this, right? Because now you just type in the address, you type in your restaurant, and man, it maps it out for you, and you are on your way. Well, what do you do when on your journey to your destination, you run into a detour? or you run into construction, or you run into road close. On this trip that we were on, our second day, we did not realize how long 13 and a half miles is. Our second day, we had to go from camp one, one where we were, Fire Creek Camp, and we had to go 13 and a half miles to our next camp. We were not ready for that. We had a change of plans. We had a detour. The sun is going down and we're still two and a half miles away from the camp that we were supposed to stay at. And so we look at the map, we open it up. What's plan B here? We didn't have a plan B. What are we going to do? And so we spot this other camp that was about half a mile away. And we say to ourselves, we're just going to have to roll the dice and roll into camp. And hopefully there's going to be a campsite available. And that's what we did. The sun is setting. It's getting dark already. We come into camp and wouldn't you know it, there was a campsite available. And we ask ourselves, How can this be? 
You know, I mean, when, when we called and we were setting this stuff up, they were saying that all the campsites were filled. So how can it be that there's this empty campsite waiting for us? And so we saw a sign and said, campsite closed due to falling trees. Oh man, what are we going to do now? Do we take the chance? We don't want a tree falling on us in the middle of the night, but we had no other options. And so we took a chance. We stayed at that campsite that night thinking that we would be up early in the morning and take off out of that camp before the ranger came by because we didn't want our permits to be pulled. Didn't happen. Early, early in the morning, ranger rolls into camp. You know this campsite's closed, don't you? And so we were at the mercy of the ranger and we had to explain to her, you know, ranger, we're so sorry, but it was late last night. We still had two and a half miles to go. They, she said, well, where did you start? I said, well, we started at Fire Creek Camp. What? That's so far away. I said, I know, I know. And so she let us off the hook, but we had a detour. We had a change of plan. We had to go through some transitions in our journey. And you know, we do that often in our own lives. In our own lives, we might set a course. We might say, this is what I want to do. This is what I want to accomplish. This is what I want to study. And halfway through our journey, there's a sign that says detour. There's a sign that says wrong way. Turn around. Can't keep on moving forward on this track. And so you find yourself having to transition from plan A to plan B. And sometimes, most of the time, it's difficult to do, is it not? You think you know where you're going. You think you know what you're going to do. And all of a sudden, life throws you a curveball. And all of a sudden, you're in over your head. You're not sure where you're going. You're not sure what you're going to do. You might feel as though God has abandoned you, that God isn't in control of things. What do you do? How do you make it through life's transitions? How do you make it through life's detours? Well, we're going to start a series where we hope to address this. And we're going to look at the book of Samuel. Now, the book of Samuel is a very interesting book. It's an exciting book, jam-packed with awesome stories. And so we're going to be spending the next few weeks in the book of Samuel. And so we want you to start reading through it and start familiarizing yourself with the book of Samuel. You might be thinking, why is the pastor saying the book of Samuel? Aren't there two, first and second Samuel? Well, there is. But originally, in the Hebrew, it was one book. It was one continuous work. It was just entitled the book of Samuel. And it wasn't until later that it was divided into 1 Samuel and 2 Samuel because of the length of the book. We're going to look at the book of Samuel because the book of Samuel is full of transitions. It's full of detours. One of the biggest themes in the book of Samuel is the transition from Saul to David. Huge transition. Another big transition that Israel was going through was going from being ruled by judges to now being ruled by kings. Huge transition. And so the book of Samuel is full of transition. And wouldn't you know it? that tucked away within the pages of the book of Samuel is the secret of how we can make it through life's transitions and life's detours. I'd like for you to turn to the book of Samuel. 
where we are going to look at three things that we need to acknowledge in life in order to make it through life's transitions, in order to make it through life's detours. If you turn to 1 Samuel chapter 2, you're going to read the prayer of Hannah. Now, Hannah was the mother of Samuel. Hannah was barren. She could not have any children. And so many times she would go before God and she would pray and she would weep and she would just pour out her heart and say, God, please, please give me a son. Please give me some children. The Lord answered her prayer. Not only did she have Samuel, but later on she had several other children. But here we read the prayer of her rejoicing that God had given her or had answered her prayer of giving her a son. And so I'd like for you to read with me chapter 2, verse 6, where we're going to find the three things that we need to acknowledge if we are to make it through life's transitions and life's detours. Starting with verse 6, it says, The Lord kills and makes alive. He brings down to the grave and brings up. The Lord makes poor and makes rich. He raises the poor from the dust and lifts the beggar from the ash heap to set them among princes and make them inherit the throne of glory. For the pillars, now listen to this, for the pillars of the earth are the Lord's and he has set the world upon them. He will guard the feet of his saints But the wicked shall be silent in darkness, for by strength no man shall prevail. The adversaries of the Lord shall be broken in pieces from heaven. He will thunder against them. The Lord will judge the ends of the earth. He will give strength to his kings and exalt the horn of his anointed. Wow. When you read through this prayer, you get this impression That after Hannah had gone through her suffering, after she had gone through all the, the crying for a child, and after experiencing the Lord answering her prayer, you now get this impression that Hannah understands and acknowledges this one thing, which is the first thing we need to acknowledge if we're to make it through life's transitions. She acknowledges that God is in control. This prayer really sets the tone for the rest of the book of Samuel. It really does. Because all through the rest of the book, this theme that God is in control keeps on popping up. And here in this prayer, we get this impression that Hannah came to the realization that though things have not gone the way I had planned them, I now understand that God is in control. You see, my friends, there are times in life when we go through transitions or when we hit a detour and we think we're, we're on the fast pace to, to success, where all of a sudden we reach a road that says dead end, detour, wrong way. And we go, what's going on? The plans that I set forth, they're just crumbling before my very eyes. And it's very easy for us to think, you know what? God must not be in control of this. You know, I mean, how can God be in control when all of this is happening to me? 
we need to understand this very fact that God is in control. It is impossible for us to see the big picture as God does. See, God sees the big picture for your life. And you can bet on this one thing that there is no one in this universe that cares more about your life and your best interests than God. And guess what? The Bible teaches us that God loves you. And if you put those two things together, that God wants the best for me and that he's looking out for me and that he loves me, you need to understand that God is in control. God says that all things work to the good of those that love him. And he's going to ensure that all the resources available to him, that all the power that is available to him, he will use on your behalf to accomplish the goals that he has set for your life. God is in control. That's the first thing that we need to acknowledge The second thing that we need to acknowledge if we're to make it through life's difficult transitions and detours is that we need to acknowledge that God will lead. Did you notice that in the prayer it said he will guard the feet of his saints? That's right. God will guard your feet. He will lead you. I want you to turn maybe just one page over to 1 Samuel chapter 3. 1 Samuel chapter 3, starting with verse 1. Now the boy Samuel ministered to the Lord before Eli, and the word of the Lord was rare in those days. Is that not sad to hear? You maybe feel like that today, as you look around our, our culture, our, our country, our world, that the word of God is rare It says the word of the Lord was rare in those days. There was no widespread revelation. And it came to pass at that time while Eli was lying down in his place. And when his eyes had begun to grow so dim that he could not see. And before the lamp of God went out in the tabernacle of the Lord where the ark of God was. And while Samuel was lying down. That the Lord called Samuel. And he answered here I am. So he ran to Eli and said, here I am, for you called me. And he said, I did not call. Lie down again. And he went and lay down. Verse 6. Then the Lord called yet again, Samuel. So Samuel rose and went to Eli and said, here I am, for you called me. He said, I did not call. My son, lie down again. What do you think Samuel's thinking at this point? Man, not only is he losing his eyesight, this man is losing his, <laughs> his brain. He keeps on calling me. I show up. Here I am. And he said, I didn't call you. Go back to your room. Verse 7. Now, Samuel did not yet know the Lord, nor was the word of the Lord yet revealed to him. Wow. That's some insight. We can do some soul searching with that text. You can ask yourself the question, man, if I'm not hearing the word of the Lord, if I'm not hearing his direction, is it maybe because I'm not recognizing it? Is it maybe because I have put other things in front of God? Is it maybe because I value other things besides God? And maybe that's why I'm not hearing his voice. Because here's the truth about God. God is calling. God is reaching out. 
God does desire to speak with us and to communicate with us and to reveal to us where we ought to go. And maybe this is an opportunity for us to say, you know what, maybe I've put other things before God. Because God does want to reveal to us. It says here in verse 8, And the Lord called Samuel again the third time. So he arose and went to Eli and said, Here I am, for you did call me. It's kind of like this third time. I can just picture him just kind of really listening intently, right? And then, all right, that, that was not the wind That was not a cricket. That wasn't the the tabernacle creaking. No, that was the voice of Eli calling me. So he goes back to Eli and says, you did call me this time. Then Eli perceived that that the Lord had called the boy. Verse 9, therefore Eli said to Samuel, go lie down and it shall be if he calls you that you must say, speak, Lord, for your servant hears. So Samuel went and lay down in his place. Now the Lord came and stood and called as at other times, Samuel, Samuel. And Samuel answered, speak for your servant hears. Then the Lord said to Samuel, behold, and he goes on to communicate and to reveal to Samuel what it is that he would have Samuel to do. But are you at that position in life? Are you in a position where you can honestly with all your heart and and all your soul and all your mind be able to say, here am I, your servant listens. You see, the way we make it through life's difficult transitions and life's difficult detours is that first of all, we need to acknowledge that God is in control. Secondly, We need to acknowledge that God wants to lead us. But along with that leadership, along with that leadership that he wants for us, we need to have a humble heart. We need to have a heart that says, I am a servant. I am willing to serve. The third thing that we need to acknowledge, which is the exciting part of all of this, is that God will give us the strength to carry through with his leading. We need to acknowledge that God will give us the strength. You know, I love that phrase, that that verse that says, never once should I think of failure, for I cooperate with one who knows no failure. That's right. God will give you the strength When I approached the book of Samuel, I said to myself, I'm not going to preach on David and Goliath. Not going to do it. Every pastor does it. You know, they go to Samuel immediately, David and Goliath. But as a good Bible student, you know, I was reading through the whole book, first and second Samuel, just to kind of wrap my mind or, or try and be wrapped by the book of Samuel. And, and so I stumbled upon the story of David and Goliath. And as I read that several times over, I realized this is why pastors love to speak about and talk about David and Goliath because it is such an awesome story. And what this story teaches me and shows me is that God will strengthen you. Not only is God in control, not only is God going to lead you and sometimes lead you into battle, But God will give you the strength 
to overcome. I'd like for you to turn to a few pages over to 1 Samuel 17, uh, starting with verse 26. We're not going to read the whole story of David and Goliath, but I want to point out um, just this one fact about how God will give us the strength. 1 Samuel 17, starting with verse 26, says this. Then David spoke to the men who stood by him, saying, What shall be done for the man who kills this Philistine and takes away the reproach from Israel? For who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? And so here David shows up and he starts getting word of what's going on and he hears about this this threat from this, this Goliath guy, this, this Philistine. And, and he's thinking to himself, well, wait a second, what's going on here? I mean, what, what's the reward for, for going to take him out? I mean, is the reward not big enough? I mean, what, what's going on here? Why is no one going up there and taking care of this, this issue, this, this little matter? Well, Verse 27, and the people answered him in this manner, saying, so shall it be done for the man who kills him. Now Eliab, his oldest brother, heard when he spoke to the men, and Eliab's anger was aroused against David. And he said, why did you come down here? And with whom have you left those few sheep in the wilderness? Oh, what a dig. You know, they don't help in the conversation at all. It just angers you even more. You know, well, here's the, the older brother kind of throwing one of these digs, you know. Where, where'd you leave those few sheep in the wilderness? Don't you have business to attend to, David? Don't you need to, to go back? Well, it says, I know your pride and the insolence of your heart, for you have come down to see the battle. And David said, what have I done now? Is there not a cause? Then he turned from him toward another and said the same thing. And these people answered him as the first ones did. Now when the words which David spoke were heard, they reported them to Saul and he sent for him. Now, remember, one of the transitions that's taking place here is that Saul is king, but David has already been tapped on the shoulder to be the next king. And so there's this awkward transition now going on here. You know, where at first Saul was, was pleased and man, awesome. David, you're cool. You took out Goliath, but then he felt threatened and then he wanted to kill David. And there's this big back and forth. Okay. So just think about that for a second while we continue reading verse 32. Then David said to Saul, let no man's heart fail because of him. Your servant, referring to himself, will go and fight with this Philistine. So you see, David is approaching this situation, acknowledging already that God is in control. And then it says here how he refers to himself. He says, then David said to Saul, let no man's heart fail because of him. Your what? Your servant. In other words, David is being led. He understands his purpose. He is allowing himself to be led by God. And he is humbly coming before God and saying, God, I know you're in control. I know you're going to lead me. I am your servant in all of this. What do you think the third thing is that David acknowledges? That God will give me what? The strength to overcome 
the strength to be victorious. Let's read here. Verse 33. And Saul said to David, you are not able to go against the Philistine to fight with him, for you are a youth and he a man of war from his youth. But David said to Saul, your servant used to keep his father's sheep. And when a lion or a bear came and took a lamb out of the flock, I went out after it and struck it and delivered the lamb from its mouth. And when it arose against me, I caught it by its beard and struck and killed it. Now listen to verse 36. Your servant has killed both lion and bear, and this uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them, seeing he has defied the armies of the living God. Now here it is in verse 37. Moreover, David said, the Lord, who delivered me from the paw of the lion and from the paw of the bear, he will deliver me from the hand of this Philistine. And Saul said to David, go and the Lord be with you, buddy. There are times in life where we may find ourselves alone going through these difficult times in life. And the only thing that we have are these three things. We need to acknowledge that God is in control. We need to acknowledge that he will lead. We need to acknowledge that he will give us the strength to overcome. You've been listening to Anchor Points with Robert Quintana and part one of Setting the Course. If you would like to hear or share this message and find others like it, you can subscribe to our podcasts at ariseforgod.com or by searching Anchor Points on iTunes. You can also follow Anchor Points on Facebook. Now, here's what you'll hear next week. There are times when God will call you to do something that you're not happy with, but there is a reason why we must step out in faith and obey no matter what that is. Next week, Robert Quintana continues to dig through the book of Samuel to answer the question why obedience to God is important with part two of Setting the Course. We appreciate you listening. This program is produced by Word of Mouth Productions in cooperation with Frederick Seventh-day Adventist Church. And remember, God loves you and wants you to live out His purpose.